0: The CNBC app. Global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected. Stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Uh, A warm welcome to this Monday edition of Squawk Box with Karen Cho and myself, Steve Sedgwick. These are your headlines. President Biden issues a major disaster declaration for the state of Louisiana as Hurricane Ida makes landfall as a Category 3 storm with torrential rains and rising waters that have knocked out power and shut down the Gulf's oil platforms. Germany's SPD extends its lead over Frau Merkel's Conservatives, uh, whilst a snap poll shows Olaf Scholz winning the three-way debate. As Saxony's president tells CNBC the race is wide open. After all these
1: years of the grand coalition, We need to have a conservative reset button that we need to press now.
2: A US drone strike kills two high-profile ISIS members accused of plotting the deadly attacks in Kabul as Western forces continue evacuations ahead of tomorrow's withdrawal deadline, coming under fire from at least five rockets in the past few hours. Elsewhere, Fed Chair Jerome Powell soothes taper concerns, striking a dovish note in his Jackson Hole address and leading US markets back to record highs.
0: Hurricane Ida has forced energy companies to temporarily shut down nearly all oil and gas production in the Gulf of Mexico. Oil majors such as Shell, Exxon and Marathon have evacuated their staff from around 300 offshore facilities and moved 10 drill vessels out of the storm's way. Ida made landfall at Port Fourchon, uh, Louisiana, yesterday as a dangerous category 4 hurricane. It has since been downgraded to Category 2 storm, with uh, sustained winds still raging at 105 miles per hour. All of New Orleans lost power on Sunday night, with one person so far uh, unfortunately reported dead. Let's take a quick look at the oil price as well, just before we get to Jay Gray. And again, we've seen uh, Brent crude trading at multi-week highs. It was up around about 11.5% last week. Let's get to Jay Gray. Uh, NBC Jay Gray joins us live from New Orleans. Jay, um, we've talked many times over the years. You've covered a variety of storms. Just put into context how bad or, or, or better than some of the worst scenarios you've been in uh, this one is.
3: Yeah, it's one of the most intense to ever hit the U.S. and certainly this state as well. 1850 is where you have to go back to find a storm that was even close to this magnitude. So it is extremely severe and has been. We're getting a bit of a break, thankfully, right now. You know, you talked about the oil production in Port Duchamp. Well, that's where most of that oil comes through, right there at that port. And and so it took a direct hit Category 4 storm winds of a 150 miles an hour, just seven miles, away, uh, seven miles an hour away from a, a Category 5 storm, the highest category. So that area is going to suffer for a long time, and I'm not sure how that's going to affect the production and transfer of oil. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. What did the wind do here? Let's take a look behind me. We're looking at Jackson Square and you can see it's ripped away this old uh, tree here. The old oak tree is just tattered and been thrown all over the French Quarter here. Roofs have been ripped away from buildings and homes, windows shattered, and the power is out not just in pockets but the entire New Orleans Metro is without electricity. That's over a million people without power at this point. The mayor says it could be 72 hours or more before that power is restored, and those crews can't get out until things calm down. The wind's coming in waves now. We're getting gusts at times that are still very severe, but it's coming in waves. The rain has been constant, a bit of a break now, and that's because we're getting these bands on the backside of the storm. So we'll get some rain, it'll stop, it'll come back again. It's going to be intermittent rain here, we're told, for the next 24 hours. So so we're going to continue to see rain through the entire day tomorrow in a city that's below sea level. So that's going to continue to be an issue as well. It's going to be a long and rough go here.
0: Jay, stay safe as ever, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you again later. Thank you very much indeed, my friend right let's get back to uh our bread and butter federal reserve chair jerome powell struck a measured tone on friday well what else did you expect really yeah measured tone on friday during his virtual jackson hole address saying the u.s central bank would likely start reducing asset purchases later this year but that rate hike could uh, still be a long way off yes it was very much a could rather than would let's listen in
3: the timing and pace of the coming reduction in asset purchases will not be intended to carry a direct signal regarding the timing of interest rate liftoff, for which we have articulated a different and substantially more stringent test. We have said that we will continue to hold the target range for the federal funds rate at its current level until the economy reaches conditions consistent with maximum employment, and inflation has reached 2 percent and is on track to moderately exceed 2 percent for some time. We have much ground to cover to reach maximum employment, and time will tell whether we have reached 2% inflation on a sustainable basis.
2: Jay Powell, there were well, a lot of hype around Jackson Hole in the markets Friday, and as a result, fresh records on the S&P and the NASDAQ. Uh, the gains you can see decent across the charts, about one and a quarter percent, the addition for the tech-heavy NASDAQ. FANG stocks are doing their bit over the course of the trading week and in the Friday session. Uh, Those big tech names moving higher. And as you can see, dragging this market into the green. Very positive catalyst at play here. Some of the big movers, if you take a look at the banking stocks, Goldman Sachs, that was the big mover for the Dow. So banking stocks in play, as we talk about. Even at this point, a dovish taper from the Fed. But uh, calming messages, you'd have to say, there'd been a lot of concerns about another taper tantrum this time around. But no element of that in the market action. Friday trade. Treasuries, let's take a quick look. We've seen very calm action in that U.S. 10-year yield of late. We are perched a little bit higher than where we have been trading in recent weeks. And you can see 130 the level now rather than 1.25 where we'd spent a lot of time trading around. But uh, that level is still fairly tame from the levels we had earlier this year. The dollar trade. Uh, This is how we are trading across on the greenback early morning session in Europe. If we take a look across versus sterling, euro and how we perched versus the Japanese yen, uh, we can see just what the reaction has been. And you can see a little bit slow to evolve on this chart today. We're still waiting to show you that U.S. dollar trade. But uh, early on, uh, you can see that yield is a huge focus still for a lot of investors at this point and and how it uh, travels from here. Let's get to Francesco Sandrini, who is head of multi asset to balanced income and real return solutions at a Monday. Thank you very much for joining us so early this morning, Francesco. The market reaction to the Jackson Hole Symposium. I want to get into that because it looks like we've got a fairly calm reaction in even in the Asian markets today. What does it tell you? Is it too early at this stage to draw any conclusions?
4: No, it tells us uh, that uh, it was the dovish uh, announcement, uh, pretty much like expected. So we are not uh, expecting before November, December, starting of the tapering. Uh, so one, uh, one of the conditions that we were expecting for seeing uh, a minor corrections in the market between 5% and 7%, 7% I think, uh, uh, as, uh, as, uh, has been seen and uh, will not be unfriendly, that's uh, Jackson Oil. Unfortunately, in the markets, there are still elements that are a little catalyst for a correction. One is the uh, wave of uh, regulation coming out from China, the so-called Prosperity Plan. This has a little bit the potential to detonate a correction, even if uh, a part of it we have already seen. We have to remember, though, that we are in the middle of the beginning of a macroeconomic correction. We have seen already some of the indicators, uh, uh, Michigan consumption, uh, the empire manufacturing, that have been uh, turning back uh, in the U.S., uh, and also in Europe, uh, the sentiment indicators are deteriorating. So that's something that suggests a little of a cautious approach for investors. And we are waiting for a correction that will not be recessive yet, will be quite mild, but we have to pay attention to.
2: So Francesco, what's the strategy if they think there's some volatility coming and potentially a market that is ripe for a pullback? Because if you look at the safe havens, there'd been a little bit of interest in the gold price Friday session, but ETFs have been pulling back from that trade in recent weeks. So how do you play it a little bit cautious if it's not going to be through the safe havens?
4: Uh, having uh, some edges in place, of course, uh, the volatility conditions thus far have uh, allowed us uh, to put in place some uh, protection. But also at stock picking level, trying to a certain extent not to be tempted to enter this very uh, phase in uh, values, in cyclicas. So there is still a, a window for opportunities, but try to be much more balanced, having uh, a look to those all those quality sectors, that normally, including technology, that normally tends to perform when we have a inflection of the business cycle and the level of the growth lose momentum. We think pretty much this is the situation we are seeing this fall.
0: Uh, good morning, Francesco. Uh, you put in your notes, and you've already alluded to it, concerns about China and technology regulation there, and we're seeing it almost on a daily basis. Uh, the question that you have is what kind of capitalism China wants to support moving forward. Do you have any answers for us and what you think the kind of capitalism China wants?
4: But For sure, the idea is to grasp more popularity, try to do all those reforms that are uh, to some extent uh, able to transfer part of the profits uh, from an elite uh, of uh, capitalists uh, to the majority of people. I think that we have uh, around 40%, according to Xi Jinping, of people in China that are living uh, with less than for uh, $140, $140 per month. So that is definitely something that is uh, quite popular. I think that there is a second big problem that is a problem of control. Control in terms of, uh, of data, controls uh, in terms of uh, geopolitics that this kind of reform uh, wants to spur. We have to remember that we have been counting year to date around 30 uh, regulations. Uh, only perhaps 40% of them have been affecting the technology sectors, but this measure seems to be much more pervasive and going across uh, a variety of sectors. So, like you said correctly, it's a brand new idea of capitalism. Uh, The big question is whether this will be digested by investors. At the moment, Western investors have been a little sidetracked, I would say.
0: What does that mean for your clients? What does it mean for Western investors? It makes it very torturous in which asset classes, which assets they can look at without worrying about a regulatory backlash at some stage.
4: At this point, uh, I would say that the preference in the equity camp uh, is definitely for developed markets. Uh, we are looking to US, of course, but also Europe that seems to, to lag a little A uh, this of the business cycle we were describing before. At the moment, I think it's advisable to stay a little cautious on emerging markets. So many investors are looking to China thinking that a lot is already in the prices. That's not unfortunately our idea yet. Uh, In terms of fixed income, perhaps uh, the the hunt for income will continue. Because of that, I think that uh, uh, looking at China, the fixed income market and the Goviz market is perhaps a little of a safer place than the equity markets at the time being. So if we have to compose an ideal asset allocation, we prefer to stay uh, more committed uh, with uh, the proper hedges in place on developed markets uh, where the visibility at the moment is higher and uh, still having in place the exposure to credit and the exposure to some emerging market bonds that after the testimony of President Powell in Jackson Hole, seems to be still quite supported by a dovish stance from the Federal Reserve.
2: Francesco, as you pick up again on that Jackson Hall symposium, can I ask you about inflation hedges at this stage? Because there's still mixed views. Some believe that the Fed may not be uh, well on track when it comes to the inflation spiral that we've seen in some areas of the market, some sectors where there's uh, incredible demand on the back of the pandemic, where there's bottlenecks as well. Do you think it's worthwhile placing some inflation hedges at this point?
4: It's a quite strange kind of inflation because uh, the pressure on inflation on goods uh, to some extent have been reducing over time. And we are only seeing uh, some, uh, some components uh, spreading through the service sector. And still, uh, largely, we have to see what's going on on uh, on the wages. I think that uh, what what is very important to capture is the fact that many corporations, many enterprises have used the current uh, window of, uh, um, of mitigation of the COVID pandemic, uh, of the reopening trades to increase their prices. So a lot of companies uh, in affected sectors have tried to take advantage of uh, their pricing power, and this is creating the conditions, uh, in our opinion, for an inflation that will stay, uh, not in uh, at warning levels, uh, so lower levels than the current one for sure, but to levels that will be meaningfully higher than the average that we saw during the last three years. Because of that, uh, this has the potential a little to detonate decisions in terms of consumers and the decision in terms of investment. And this is what the Federal Reserve should be looking at extremely carefully, because What they certainly want to avoid is that the market to start trading a stagflationary uh, scenario that at the moment seems to be quite remote, but uh, actually is is developing in terms of probability to happen.
0: We will wait and see. Francesco, lovely to see you today. Thank you very much indeed for joining us uh, bright and early on a Monday morning. Francesco Sandrini, who is the head of Multi-Asset Balanced. Uh, income and real return solutions over at Amundi. By the way, Hanson, good morning to you. Oh, morning. I haven't seen you for a week or so. How are you?
5: Hey, very well, thank you. Uh, you've been you. doing nice a bit of a
0: road trip around the UK?
2: Oh, the lovely places. W- was the weather kind to you? Gloucestershire, Oxfordshire.
0: Some of my favourite... Oxfordshire, did you pop in and see Mr Cutmore?
2: I didn't, actually, but I was very much in his neck of the woods. But oh. the weather's been patchy, hasn't it? It's been very August patchy. has not been great in the UK, no, unfortunately. we did
0: manage to go down the beach yesterday. Oh, a yeah.
2: bit of a paddle... Not necessarily
0: uh, this one? I was in. I looked like a, like a stranded seal in my wetsuit. It was a bit warm. People oh, okay. laughed at me, but I thought I, I was in the water longer than any of them.
2: You wore a wetsuit. Oh, I'm yeah. impressed. That's the well, thing I would do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't handle cold very well. Uh, right, coming up on the show, as Olaf Scholz's Social Democrats continue to push ahead in the polls, uh, Saxony state president and close Merkel ally Michael Kretschmer tells CNBC that voters want more substance and fewer personal attacks.
1: The big problem is that we're not talking about policy in this election campaign but about specific people and their missteps. We won't get anywhere with such campaigning and it will only lead to disappointment among the voters.
0: Uh, support for Germany's CDU-CSU block continues to slide, as another poll showed the group falling behind the Social Democrats. The latest poll, commissioned by Bild am Sonntag newspaper, put Olaf Scholz's SPD at 24%. That is three percentage points ahead of the Conservatives. Support for the Greens remains steady at around 17%. Germany's chancellor candidates went uh, head-to-head in the first ever three-way debate. Olaf Scholz told viewers his experience in federal and state-level politics made him the ideal candidate to take Germany into the post-Merkel era.
1: We have a good plan. I also have a good plan for the future, for what is necessary now. And of course, I've been able to prepare myself quite well through all the offices I've held in the past.
2: Meanwhile, Conservative candidate Armin Laschet pledged to offer the same reliability as Angela Merkel, while also providing a modernising touch.
1: 16 years of Angela Merkel were good years, but a new period is now beginning, and it needs modernization and that's what I'm running for. But don't we all feel the wind of change blowing in our faces? In such moments, we need steadfastness, reliability, and an inner compass. And that is my offer, that is the union's offer.
2: Let's take a quick look at where German bunds are perched, and you can see that yield uh, still minus 0.42 at this stage. Let's get out to Aneta for more. Aneta, the race seems wide open as we count down to the election in less than a month's time, but it seems as though climate change is now one of the key issues still for a lot of voters at this stage.
5: Yes, climate change is very much on top of the agenda for a lot of voters, especially after we had that big catastrophe of the floods uh, just back in July in parts of Western Germany. So I guess this is a big topic, but the whole topic as well about how do you want to achieve uh, these carbon neutrality goals um, at the same time, keeping energy prices at bay is as well a big topic, at least from the, the industry side of things. So I guess if you if you look back at the uh, trialogue, as they called it yesterday, for the first time ever, we had three candidates for the chancellery job um, in Germany because the Greens uh, have their first ever candidate. Um, The verdict is quite clear. 36% um, do say they favor the appearance of Olaf Scholz, and he has done the best job in that public debate. And Armin Laschet has clearly lost um, again in that debate. He, When you were watching it, he had kind of a a weak appearance and he more or less tried to defend himself all the time. He was not able to put things proactively um, forward um, and to yeah, kind of name um, reforms he would enact uh, in order to modernize Germany, which his big aim is. Um, to speak about the election campaign and also uh, how it could happen that the, the uh, CDU fell to these historic lows in the opinion polls, I caught up with an influential figure of the CDU, um, Michael Kretschmer, who is the prime minister of Saxony. And I asked him what he thinks has to happen to still turn things around for his party. Take a listen.
1: The big problem is that we're not talking about policy in this election campaign, but about specific people and their missteps. We won't get anywhere with such campaigning, and it will only lead to disappointment among the voters. That is why we need to provide answers to questions such as how will we finance the 400 billion euros that we have used to overcome the corona crisis? Do we want higher taxes? Do we want more indebtedness? Do we want more freedom and economic growth? The latter is the road the CDU wants to choose. After all these years of the grand coalition, we need to have a conservative reset button that we need to press now. And we must articulate where the CDU stands as the conservative party if there is no social democratic coalition partner.
5: How should the election campaign actually look like the next four weeks, uh, given that the situation is so difficult now?
1: We need to gather our strength for the challenges ahead and push for a conservative government. Germany has a big responsibility for the European Union and its cohesion as well. It is important to find the right personality who can help unite the European Union and prevent further disintegration and possibility of other countries leaving, like the UK has done.
5: Is mean, Lashut the problem currently for your party, or would it be easier to win an election with Markus Lüder? Everybody is getting picked on
1: in this election campaign. That's perhaps even normal to a certain extent. It is crucial now that we insist and push the conversation towards themes and policies, and not just specific people. What do we have to say about internal security? And where do we stand on energy policy and the big transition? We have a Green Party that keeps setting new goals, but does not talk about how to achieve them. We need to push the debate in this election campaign so that we not only talk about how we want to live, but also how we can afford all of it. How can Germany defend its prosperity should have centre stage. I am convinced voters see the CDU as being the most competent party when it comes to answering these questions
5: that was also one of the key issues at, at yesterday's debate and where um most of the controversy was uh the question of how to finance things going forward and how to really reach these um climate targets because clearly it's l- nice to talk about carbon neutrality but to enact those changes which are needed and reforms um in reality will actually be quite difficult given that there's a lot of not in my backyard problems uh with um, renewable energy um, on the ground here in Germany, there's a lack of a, a, a True grid um, between north and south, which is especially needed because, op- obviously, the offshore wind parks are in the north of Germany. And the industry is gather is, is scattered around the whole country. I guess these are the crucial topics. Um, in terms of taxes, um, both the the Social Democrats and also the Greens do think that they have to hike them. The CDU wants to lower taxes, so that is the biggest, probably the biggest divide. And of course a lot of um yeah a big part of the discussion was also centering around the topic what are we going to do with our defense policy um especially looking at the disaster which is currently happening in Afghanistan so i guess there's also not a lot of um there's also controversy around that because clearly the greens do not uh, want to keep that 2% nato spending target
2: Annette, let me ask you then about political risk and how it would be priced into a market at this stage, because we've got the DAX trading around record levels, uh, the German Bund, uh, it's hard to ascertain the direction here because there's so many other factors, very dovish ECB, but also the direction globally when it comes to yields at this stage. Where do we look for that election risk now in this final stretch, given the uncertainty?
5: I think the the biggest risk would be that the SPD would go together with the far left and that is something Olaf Scholz did not want to exclude also yesterday during the debate and I guess this could be a remote risk to the markets but even if we have such a coalition um it would probably doesn't but would probably not be the end of the world because the the far left has such a low percentage point um, in the opinion polls, but still it could mean that foreign relations, especially with the United States, will get tougher because the far left is not the biggest transatlantic friend, more more or less a, a friend of Russia. But as I was saying, a, a combination of the the SPD, the far left, and potentially the Greens. That's a um, the, has the lowest probability in terms of coalition building. I guess anything, any other coalition where the liberals would be included that could be actually quite market friendly when it comes to taxes, higher taxes, personal income taxes and higher corporate taxes will most likely um, happen, but not only in Germany um, because obviously all the uh, corona um, crisis spending at some point in time also have to be um, the, that and the, the, all the debt which we have amassed has to be reduced at some point in time, and that most likely will happen through higher taxes.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express.
5: For more market moving news, you can head to CNBC.com.
2: Or join us again on this show with Jeff Cupmore, Steve Sedgwick, and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.